Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. Good morning. What a grand day it is. We are entering the best season of northern Michigan. Because you can't really do much outside, so you might as well come to church. Right? So when people, you know... <laughs> yeah, seven days a week. Uh, you can worship Jesus seven days a week, but we're not going to join you here. Yeah, yeah. But good idea, though. Good idea. How many veterans do we have in here today? One, two. Can I have you guys, ladies, stand? Hallelujah. Stay on your feet. Listen, over the years I've discovered that you, all of you, no matter what position you held, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, you, you all have carried burdens that were much bigger than you. And as a result, this country has been kept safe. Thank you. And we just wanted to honor you today. If you're around these folks, would you just lay a hand on them? And let's just ask the Lord to bless them today as, as only he can. Lord, we thank you for these men and women that have served this country. In whatever capacities they are in, Lord, they have honored you with their lives, even willing to give them if that's what it took. And Lord, for those that have gone on, we thank you. We pray you would bless their families and encourage them today that they gave their lives for the best cause, for this nation. And Lord, for those that are here today, bless them richly. We pray just supernatural touches on each one of their lives that they would know how important they are, not just to us, but more importantly to you. Lord, there's no better thing that a man can do than give his life for another, and that's what these folks were willing to do as a result of their positions in the military. Lord, keep them safe, and, and keep them safe from even some of the memories that they had to endure over the years, Lord. We pray that you would bless them again richly. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, and thank you again for serving this great nation. Next Sunday is water baptism. So when I finish today, I might try to get some of you to take that next step because it's so important that we keep going through the steps that God has given us. Amen. When we fill that tank up here, it represents new life. And you make a statement for Jesus. I love him and I'm going to serve him all the days of my life. And sometimes that step is what it takes to keep you on the straight and the narrow. So if you're already a believer and you haven't been water baptized yet, fully immersed, we would invite you to sign up today. There's a little sheet out there that has everything you need to bring and meet me in my office next Sunday morning at 1010 a.m. and we'll talk to you just a little bit about what's going to happen. But we'd love for you to do that. And if you end up giving your lives to Jesus today, which I'm suspecting there's going to be a couple at least, I'm going to encourage you, get water baptized next Sunday. Take that next step. The first step is what? You must be born again. And then after you've taken that step, water baptism, all right? I am excited to be back. Yes. I wanted to thank Brother Ron. Uh, Nate's not here. And... Uh, He's not here either. That's why I was looking for him going, oh yeah, Tony, uh, Pastor Tony, who should have been in here for the military uh, honor, but uh, 
Obviously, he's not. Those three men filled the pulpit while I was gone. I just, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you for being willing to do that. And, and I, I heard great things about all the messages. And uh, I just wanted to again thank you. So you guys are a blessing. I think that's all I had to, to mention today. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we're not sure what to do next. And that's the best time to go to Jesus, isn't it? How many of you have found yourselves there? You, you've recognized it. I don't know what to do. So you get on your knees and you say, Jesus, what's next? What do you want me to do? As we look at chapter 17 today, in the book of Revelation. I'm inserting a lot of practical things for the church. It's not just about the verse by verse, but there's so much more God wants you to hear today. And I was encouraged as I studied, as I put it together, and as I finalized it the last couple of days, that the Lord is going to speak to some of you in ways that maybe you've not heard before. So don't take that voice lightly. If you think you heard from God today, just trust that it was Him. We've been praying that people have ears to hear and eyes to see the things of God. So if you feel that little nudge or if you actually hear an audible voice, it's Him. It's the Holy Spirit, and He wants you to be different. Jesus came to save us, but He also came to change us. Not to leave us in the shape we were in, but to do something better with us. And if you'll place your, your living body, your soul, your spirit in his hands, he can do amazing miracles in your life and through your life. But you've got to be willing to give over to him. And that's not, that's not a democratic thing. You know, America, we're like, all about, oh man, you gotta be individual. Yeah, you gotta be the Lone Ranger. You gotta do your own thing. And then we hear about Jesus and we start hearing how, well, wait, I've gotta give God everything first. It's contradictory to how we Americans have been raised. Just realize that it's the best way. We're not in a democracy, we're in a theocracy. God, then us. And if you'll place yourself in this position, you will be blessed beyond measure. Would you stand with me one more time? Father God, I thank you for every person, man, woman, boy, and girl that's in this room today. Even those who hear this message through the podcast, Lord, use it to bring you glory and praise and honor. And Lord, I pray right now for every person here that their hearts would be made soft to receive from their King, their Lord, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that every one of us will just hear a nugget, something, from our Heavenly Father today through the Holy Spirit. That you would speak to each one, and even if I don't say it, this man who's prepared, Lord, even if I don't say it, that you would say it. They'd hear something from you. Many times I've heard people say, Pastor, when you said such and such, and I, I didn't say anything to him, I didn't correct him, but inside I knew I never said that. It was you, Lord. Do that very same thing today. Teach us as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you grab somebody's paw next to you and just say, Good morning, I'm glad you're here. It was kind of cool. One of the awesome things that we got to do while we were away is go to other churches. And uh, we went to this one church, and it was a, a little bigger than ours. And they, they started doing the greeting thing, and it went on for like 10 minutes. And I'm just looking at my wife like, wow, man, these people are really greeting each other. They went from one side to the other, greeting every person in the church. And it was like, whoa, I don't know if we should do that or not. But anyway, I'm just glad to see you greet your neighbor. Because we're all in this together. And, that, and that's so important to know in these last days, as I believe that we're in the last days. You know, God revealed these things just to give us a heads up of what was to come. 
maybe to encourage us to make that change that we need to make so that we're ready for that sweet by and by, so that we're ready when, when the trumpet blows, when we're taken up, or when these bodies give out. They got, as wonderfully as they're designed, they're not intended to last forever, are they? And when they give out, I pray that you'll be ready to go with them. So all of what we're studying today is an attempt to get you ready for what's coming next. So are you ready? All right, let's begin with uh, Revelation 17, verse 1. And as we do, I'm reading from the New Living Testament, unless you see up there otherwise. So I'll have most of these on the screen behind me. And here we go. Uh-oh. All right. Welcome back, Pastor. One of the seven angels who had poured out the seven bowls came over and spoke to me. Come with me, he said, and I will show you the judgment that is going to come on the great prostitute who rules over many waters. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her, and the people who belong to this world have been made drunk by the wine of her immorality. In modern times, when we begin to speak of the prostitute, the harlot, or the hoe, right? Depending on the version you're reading, these are what we read. But this is intended to describe not a woman, but the apostate church. What does that mean? It's a faithless church. It's a church led by the false prophet, all of whom have abandoned their love for God and for his words and have bought into a world religion. We hear this often from different faiths that all roads lead to heaven. No. There's only one God and one Jesus. Amen. The, the religious arm of the Antichrist, it's going to have a hold over these people. They're, they're not even going to understand what it is. Have you ever seen anybody like that? That they seem to be uh, controlled by something other than themselves? That's what it's going to be like in these last days during this great tribulation. It's a hold that the Apostle Paul describes in Romans chapter 1. And, and uh, I wanted to read just one verse here, verse 21. Yes, they knew God, right? We know God. But they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became what? Dark and confused. You see, when you turn away from the true God and you begin to worship other gods, little g, your mind begins to become dark. Your spirit takes on that same darkness. You can tell when somebody knows Jesus because there's a light in them. And you can tell when somebody's not serving Jesus. They're serving a false god because there's a darkness around them. I believe this is also borne out in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Satan, who is the god of this world, who's the god of this world? Satan, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Jesus was God. Not only the exact likeness, he was God. He's the only God. But Satan has blinded people's eyes. He's convinced them, hey, there's another way. You don't have to be sold out to Jesus. You don't have to give him your life. You don't have to put the blood against those sins that you're carrying. There are no sins. How many have heard that? That's silly that you have to repent of your sins. Really? The Bible says there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. I didn't say that. God said that. We need to understand there's only one way. And if you're hearing anything different, you're hearing from the wrong God. Little g. Satan has blinded many people. I shared this following fact in one of the other chapters that we've already studied, but I believe this bears repeating. 
the devil has no grip over me unless I let him in. Would you say that with me? The devil has no grip over me unless I let him in. He cannot do anything to you unless you allow him room. And my fear is that too many of us open that door. You know, I, I immediately go back to my youth. And, and we were uh, very curious at, at the young age. I was probably about 12, and uh, somebody got one of those new Ouija boards. And I thought, oh, how cool. You know, together with seven young people, two guys and five girls, I was in. And they were all pretty and older. I was double in. And we get this Ouija board out, and I didn't really understand it. I was too young to really get what it was. And we all sat around that thing, and we started to, to do, follow the directions and I'm not making this up. The Ouija board lifted by itself. I thought somebody was under there doing this, you know. Uh-uh. It lifted by itself. And all of a sudden, we hear this 55-gallon drum bouncing down this driveway of the house that we were at on its own. Needless to say, we put that board up. Listen. Listen. There's a demonic world out there. And their intent is to confuse us, to muzzle us, to keep us from God's best. And if we open the door to Satan, it just takes a little. He can begin to inhabit your mind and your heart. And it's not easy to come back. If that's you, repent. Jesus is more powerful than the devil. I hope you know that. But you have to cross back over if you've already gone the other way. And you've got to plead the blood of Jesus over your life, allowing him to cleanse you of that unrighteousness. Hear me. Each person chooses whether or not to open the door that allows the devil inside his or her mind or heart. We choose. He doesn't just jump in there. He can't. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in this world. There's a, a scripture that's often quoted, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. I'm going to get back to Revelation here in a minute, but this is one of those little sideway things that God gave me. This describes how this happens. And don't sin, what? By letting what? anger control you don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil now listen if we're not careful we can stop right there and go oh anger is a way to let the devil into my life but it's not just anger it says don't sin sin is what allows the devil into your life not just anger in fact, if you follow along and you keep continuing on in this passage, it actually talks about liars. And in the next chapter, at the very beginning, it talks about sexual immorality and things like that. So all sins give the devil a foothold. Say, all sins give the devil a foothold. We've got to get that in our hearts. Whenever you start to entertain whatever it might be, whatever takes your eyes off of Jesus and puts them somewhere else, that is sin. And you're giving the devil a foothold in your life. So don't give the devil a foothold. Don't let him in. Say, don't let him in. Poke at your neighbor and say, don't let him in. It's our choice. If you're being pestered by Satan, it's your own fault. If you're not living a life of joy and strength and courage, it's your own fault. You've let them in. 
Shut the door. Keep out the devil. Do we know that song? No. <laughs> I always feel like I'm in Jamaica again when I hear that. Keep them out. You can do it. You can do it. Verse 3, Revelation chapter 17. Let's continue. So the angel took me in the spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. And I just wanted to point out, we already know that the woman is the false church. She's not controlling the beast because she's on his back. Actually, he's propping her up. He's what's holding her up. The beast is, of course, the Antichrist controlled by none other than Satan. So as you go through this passage, realize she doesn't control him. He controls her or the church. The scarlet beast that had seven heads, ten horns, and blasphemies against God were written all over it. Now, again, the heads and the horns here are the world leaders who have joined rank with this false prophet. The blasphemies against God, they represent the opposing team. You know, when I was, uh, and Mac will relate to this because he went there, I think, too. When I was young, I went to Grand Ledge High School. Right? Had one of the best football teams in the state of Michigan. Still does. I'll take your word for that. I was not a sports person, as you can tell. Thanks, brother. Anyway, Grand Ledge had a, a rockin'. I mean, they started these kids in, in the little, they were like, what, six or seven when they start them. I mean, they're tiny little people. And if you're not in there at that beginning stage when you're in high school, who are you? <laughs> you don't play. Though I was not a sports person, Grand Ledge was my team. And we had a rival. And that rival was Waverly, Waverly High School. That's where my wife went to school, Pastor Barb. So I'm, I'm in Grand Ledge, and she's in. I didn't know her when we were in these rivals. But I saw some pretty strange things at those games. There was a tension in the air whenever we played Waverly, whether it was a home game or away. Whenever we played those games, there was a tension. You could feel it. There was an excitement that usually wasn't there when we played other schools. And the other thing was, there was all this catcalling going on. We were mean to them. They were mean to us. They wanted us to know they hated our team. And we wanted them to know we hated theirs just as equally. There were even fights. In fact, most of these games, they doubled the police. Because they knew that some knucklehead would try to start a fight with some other knucklehead from the opposing team. They were rivals. Hear me today. The false prophet, the Antichrist, Lucifer, the false church, they are our rivals. Even though I wasn't on the team, I was on the team. You may not feel like you're a part of the team today, but you are. If you're born again, you're, on the, the, you're in the Lord's army. You're on the winning team. And we need to understand that there's a fight. There's a battle going on right now for every single person in this room and all the souls around this globe. And he wants nothing less than to destroy people. Verse 4. The woman wore purple and scarlet clothing and beautiful jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls. In her hand she held a gold goblet full of obscenities and the impurities of her immorality. I want you to notice that, that gold goblet it's attractive. It's something pretty. But 
what's in it is poison. It will kill you if you drink of it. And as I was studying this out, I, I really felt that I heard from the Lord, and he said, Norm, be careful that your church isn't like this goblet. Be careful that, listen, a, a church can be outwardly attractive, beautiful building, top-of-the-line technical equipment, great music, even smoke machines and laser lights. And I've been in churches like that. And in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with that. But I would rather, as cool as all that stuff, I would rather that we reveal the attractiveness of Christ rather than an outward appearance of being attracted. Now, I think you need a balance, and I'm not saying you know, that, that we shouldn't do things well, because we should. But we need to be careful that we're always pointing people that way, not this way. Look how awesome we are. Yeah. No. Look how awesome he is. And if you've accomplished something, it's because he's in you. <laughs> to him be the glory. Can I get a good amen on that? Verse 4 also shows us that the world can be attractive even to Christians. But her allure is based on false precepts. They can lead us to destruction if we're not careful. Hear me, don't suck into the hype of this world. It's too easy to do. Don't listen to it. And ladies, I don't think most of you have as much of a problem with this as men do. But I always think of lust. I think of the things that, that we see on a daily basis. And it can grab us and, and cause us to really stumble if we're not careful. How many men would say amen? amen. You know, God made women. They're beautiful. But we need to be in control of our feelings and our thoughts. Women aren't pieces of meat. They're beautiful individuals in Christ. And we need to remember that. They're somebody's mom. They're somebody's daughter. And when we allow our feelings to run the rampant, you know, you've seen this stuff out there. I don't have to tell you about it, whether it's television or the Internet. Pornography is one of the biggest businesses in America. And it's because we don't have control over ourselves. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. We should have control. Amen? So let's be careful. Let's be careful that our hearts and our minds are sold out to the things of the kingdom, to the things God wants to accomplish while we're on this planet, not the devil's. And hear this. If you're inclined to fight, how many scrappers do we have in here? Any? I mean, I was a scrapper. I admit it. You're a scrapper. You know it, man. Yeah. But instead of scrapping with these, scrap with these. Fast and pray. Intercede for the saints, for the church, for your families, for your friends, that they get born again so that when you're taken up, they're going to go with you. And when you're up there and God says, come on in, son. See the rest of these folks trailing behind you? That's because you were courageous and you didn't bend your knee other than to me. That's what he wants from us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he wants. Hallelujah. That's good news. We're only on verse 5. I better ramp it up. A mysterious name was written on her forehead, Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. I could see that she was drunk. Drunk with the blood of God's holy people who were witnesses for Jesus. I stared at her in complete amazement. In Bible times, the prostitutes often wore a headband to show people who they were so they were easily identified. We've already discussed the idea of the mark, but 
people in this new age, in this, this tribulation period, are going to have the mark of the beast on them unless they refuse to bend their knee. And if they refuse to bend their knee, and if they say yes to Jesus and they repent of their sins, then they're going to be a target for death. The blood of the saints is what this is talking about. The mission of the Antichrist is to destroy all of God's people. He's drunk with their blood. He becomes drunk with their blood. It's like when, a, when sharks come together and all of a sudden it kills something and the waters are filled with blood. All of a sudden all the rest of them start coming and that's what it's going to be like. Once it starts, it's just going to be a horrendous picture of carnage on this planet. I don't want to be here. I believe we're going to be in heaven when all of this happens. Last, just an observation. You know, it says John was in complete amazement. Perhaps it was because he saw the church not as he saw them in that first century, but rather he saw them as the prostitute. He saw the church as ungodly. And he just stood there like, what happened? I can't imagine what he was thinking. But the angel actually speaks to him here, and he says this, why are you so amazed? The angel asked. I tell you the mystery of this woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns on which she sits. The beast you saw was once alive but isn't now. And yet he will soon come up out of the bottomless pit and go to eternal destruction. And the people who belong to this world, whose names were not written in the book of life, who weren't what? All right, so anyone's name who isn't in the Lamb's book of life is going to go the same place the rest of these folk are going whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made, will be amazed at the reappearance of this beast who had died. Now, we've already studied this, but the beast is going to be alive, and then it's not going to be alive, and then it's going to come back to life. We don't understand exactly how this is going to happen. Some believe he's going to be shot. We don't know. This is the Antichrist. He's going to appear be dead, and then somehow, miraculously, if he really was dead, he's going to come back to life. And we've already talked about how Satan doesn't have power to raise people from the dead. So somehow, he's going to trick people into believing that this person actually came back. I don't understand that. Only the people that are here at the time are going to understand it. Some believe that when this Antichrist goes back to the grave. When he's killed, he goes back to the grave for that short time, that little window. Satan is going to infuse all of his hatred into this man so that when he comes back, he's going to be furious. He is going to be nothing but a carnage machine wanting to destroy everything. In fact, one of the first things he's going to do when he comes back He's going to eliminate his need for the church, this ungodly church that he warmed up to for three and a half years, but now he's going to get rid of it because he wants all the glory. He wants all the worship to come toward him. He doesn't want to share it with anyone else. That's what's going to happen during this time. Verse 9, this calls for a mind with understanding, the seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills where the woman rules. They also represent seven kings. Five kings have already fallen, the sixth now reigns, and the seventh is yet to come, but his reign will be brief. The seven hills are actually thought to represent, they could represent seven actual hills because Rome has seven hills, but they can also represent seven countries that were before uh, Jesus' time, before John's time, before the Bible was written, and then there's one let yet to come. And I wanted to share what Ron Rhodes wrote about these in his book, 40 Days Through Revelation, and I'm quoting him here. And it says, These seven kingdoms are Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Now, Rome was in power when John wrote this, when he was exiled to the island of Patmos. And finally, the last one, uh, 
Ron said, is the Antichrist. False paganized religion influenced all these empires, and the woman was seated on them all. End quote. So the seven hills, the seven kings, etc., they all relate to the powers that were in the countries that were in power during the olden days, and then the one that's yet to come, which I believe is the influence of the Antichrist. Are you still with me? Getting awful quiet. Verse 11. The scarlet beast that was but is no longer is the eighth king. He is like the other seven, and he too is headed for destruction. The ten horns of the beast are ten kings who have not yet risen to power. They will be appointed to their kingdoms for one brief moment to reign with the beast. They will all agree to give him their power and their authority. I believe that these verses pretty much speak for themselves. The only thing I wanted to add is that the devil is going to use these political powers until he no longer needs them. And then he's going to destroy them until he's the only one left. Verse 14, together they will go to war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will defeat them. Because he is Lord of all lords and king of all kings. Can you get excited about that? That little statement right there. He is Lord of all lords and king of all kings. Jesus. He's coming back. He is coming back. Listen to this last sentence. And his called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. His called, his chosen, his faithful. We're going to be with him to fight that last fight. Hoorah! You know what hoorah means? I didn't know it till today. Change. Change. Is that what your version is? Hoorah. Jesus wants to change us so that we don't have to go through this. Hoorah. I love it. By the way, that was originated with the Marines, in case you wanted to know. Then the angel said to me, the waters where the prostitute is ruling represent masses of people of every nation and language. How many? Masses. Lots of folk. The scarlet beast, his ten horns, all hate. The, who do they hate? The prostitute. They will strip her naked, eat her flesh, and burn her remains with fire. Does this sound like something you want to do? This is the apostate church. They're going to put up with her for a while, and then all of a sudden they're all going to turn on her. I mean, eating her flesh, that's pretty serious stuff. And I know it's, it's symbolic, but I'm just saying, they are not going to put up with her forever. This false church is going to be judged just as God had planned. Verse 17, For God has put a plan into their minds, a plan that will carry out his purposes. This isn't anything they came up with. God arranged this. All right, you want to go another direction other than following me? I'll show you what it's going to be like. Have at it. And then the very people that they try to win over are going to be the ones in the end that end up killing them and taking them out. Hallelujah. Last verse. This woman you saw in your vision represents the great city that rules over the kings of the world. Babylon is a real place. It was a real place, and symbolically it represents the center of paganism 
the ungodly, of those who have distanced themselves from the King of kings and Lord of lords. They want nothing to do with them. They want to serve their own God, little g. That's what Babylon represents. It also represents the false church in this chapter. The false church will rule over all of these people until the devil decides no more. As you study this week, and, and hopefully you have a time where you just set it aside and you actually go back and look over some of these scriptures or you do a devotional of some sort. But as you study, go back and read Romans chapter 1. This is what I believe the Lord put on my heart for, for today. You see, in, in Romans chapter 1, God speaks about a people that have turned their backs on him. They're a very ungodly people. But what we also see in that chapter is God always gives them an, a chance to repent. Right? Just like he's given us a, ch a chance to repent. And I believe that there are, are three things that God tries to do with us to get us to repent. The first, and some of you who have been in the uh, John Bevere class undercover, you have already heard this. The first is he begins by speaking to the person's conscience. How many have heard that voice? Norm. Don't do that. But I, I shared this a week or so ago. I, I said, what happens if you ignore that? You hear that voice less and less until it gets to the point where It's a tragic place to be. Don't be that person. The Holy Spirit is here to guide you, to comfort you, to counsel you. Listen to that voice. Number two, God sends a prophet or a godly messenger to speak to you or whoever the person is. To the people in Romans chapter 1, he sent these people to speak to them, but they still denied that Jesus Christ existed. When you hear a message from this pulpit, that is a message from God. As long as you're hearing the word, you're hearing from God. And he uses it to speak to you and to me. I mean, we're, not, we're all in this together. We, we all need to be challenged, let's face it. There are little things that I don't even realize I'm doing sometimes, and the Holy Spirit will say, hey, what about that? Ooh. Oops. I'm bad. Repent. But if we don't listen that second time, and this can go on for a lifetime, but I'm just trying to bring it together here in just this few minutes. The third thing God does is he brings judgment. Just as we see in the book of Revelation. And is God doing that because he hates the guts of these people? No. He's doing it as a last resort to try to get their attention. And, and hear me, some of us, we can be sick in body because of judgment. God trying to get a hold of you and say, turn back to me. Why do you continue to run from me? It can be an experience in your life, a hardship that God will put there so that you can't go any farther. You're forced to say, what do I do next? And he's hoping that you're going to hear his voice again to say, turn back to me. That's the third thing he'll do. This last one, I don't even want to talk about it. If we refuse to repent, as God presents his three means toward us, 
to get our attention, to get us turned back, to change us into the man or woman of God he wants us to be, there's a fourth thing that can happen, and this is tragic. And I believe this with all my heart. This is who we're reading about in tribulation. In the tribulation, is it's this kind of person. This word, which is actually, it, it was formed originally with the Pharaoh in his hardened heart. Right? Remember that? Ten times God tried to get his attention. Ten times the Pharaoh refused. And his nation suffered severely. And God turned his heart, allowed his heart to become hard. There's a word in the King James that we don't hear anymore. I used to hear it a lot when I was a young Christian. But that was back when we actually read the King James. We don't, some of you still read it, but many don't. You got it. Reprobate. It also means debased, foolish, depraved. Look at that last one. Useless. We can get to a place where we become useless. God loves us. And he wants his best for us. But in order, in order to get there, we've got to trust him. We've got to give him all we have, all our resources, and say, Lord, what's next? What do you want me to do with it? How do you want me to grow my business? How do you, how do you want me to go to work today? Who in my workplace can I minister to? Who in my school can I share God's love with? Romans 1.28, I don't have it up behind me. As even as they did not like to retain God and their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now, I didn't necessarily understand that last part, so I read it in the newer translation, which just says, God gave them over to the things they should not be doing. He allowed them to do it. And here's the scary part. This word, if you look at it in its intended format, means literally to be cast aside or to become of no worth. How horrible to realize that God is pressed to his limit where he has no choice but to cast the non-repentant person aside where he or, she, he or she will be judged and thrown into the pits of hell forever. As Rachel comes and plays softly, if we're not careful, church, we can ignore the Holy Spirit's pleading to repent. And in turn, we could be given over to a reprobate mind and heart. I hope that's not you. We're saved by grace and not by any works. No man can boast about how they're saved. But we can cheapen that grace if we feel like we can do whatever we please while on this side of heaven, ignoring God's commands. If you're my disciple, you'll follow me and obey my commands. May the Lord continue to have mercy upon us. Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If it's not too weird, okay, it's weird. Would you grab the hand of the person next to you? And this, this is a, a really important step here, so please, if you can, nobody moving around, just for a minute. We're almost done. God loves us. These people that you're surrounded by, they love you. I love you. And if you're not ready, if you're not ready to take that next step in life, if God were to call you home today, would you go to be with them? Are you ready? Have you applied the blood of Jesus to your life? Has he forgiven you of your sins? 
Because if not, today is the day of your salvation. Don't wait. You may not have another week. I saw a lot of accidents this week. Thankfully, none of them were fatal. But what if it was? Where would those people have gone? Where would you go? So I want to ask, every head bowed, eyes closed, please. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Norm, that's me. I need Jesus. Maybe you've never confessed the name of Jesus before. I want you to raise your hand in just a minute. Maybe you're here today and you, one, at one time in your life, you served the Lord. You served in the church even. But you have turned your back on God for whatever reason and you know you need to come back. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And then I'm going to ask the last thing is this, this last one. It's so very hard. Listen, it ain't over till it's over. And if you're here today and you would fall into this last category of having that reprobate mind, I believe God can still salvage you. You are not useless until you're dead. But if you don't come back to Christ and allow his life-giving breath to breathe new life into you, then you are going to be cast away eventually. And I believe God's giving you one more opportunity today to say yes to Jesus. So if you fall into any one of those three categories, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand. You can hold your your neighbor's hand. I'm not going to know who you are, which one's needing prayer. That's the best part of this. Lots of hands going up. Plus, it just shows we're together in this. I see hands up all over the room. I want you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, I'm listening. I've heard your voice. I want to be different. Hoorah! I want to change. I want the change. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person. Help me to walk in the light of God. Help me to be the light of God. And when I stumble, and I probably will, help me back up. Put these saints in my path to help me back up. For I want to live for you from this day forward. I give you my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Can we give the Lord a hand? There's one last step. As the men hand out the elements, and and women, forgive me. This is an important step. And I wasn't sure how I was going to end today. But I don't want to rush. If you have to leave right now, feel free. But please be conscious of those around you. The only requirement, come, men, women, pass the elements out. The only requirement in this church is that you're born again. For some of you, that just happened. Hallelujah. If you're not born again yet, then pray that prayer right now and ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Otherwise, if you're convinced you don't want to take it, just let it pass. Nobody's going to judge you today. I love this family. This is awesome. And if you could, remember us up here too when you're done. Hallelujah. Without tipping over the elements that you already have, those of you who have it. How many have gotten something out of this so far? All right. This is the kind of message that we need to be sharing with family and friends. Is it a warm, fuzzy message? No. 
but it doesn't have to be. They need to know the truth, for the truth will set them free. We need to be vocal. We need to be people of courage and faith. When we take the elements here in just a minute, and communion is always meant, of course, to remember what Jesus did for us. How many remember it every day? Can you remember the old man? For some of you, that's just a minute ago. All right? Now you're born again. Now you're a new person in Christ. The old man has passed. The new man is here. You need to, by faith, believe that. You're different. You're changed. We're all different when we're, when we're changed by the blood of Jesus. We're all different when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. Some of us have that God moment where everything disappears. Language is gone, you know? Believe it or not, I was a four-letter friend years ago. I only knew words that had four letters in it. Maybe one three-letter word, but you know which one that is. That was me. I thought, that's how everybody spoke. And then Jesus got a hold of me, and boom! I didn't even know it. Two weeks later, my friend, Michael, comes up to me and he goes, hey, there's something different about you, Norm. I'm like, okay. We talk a few minutes and he goes, I know what it is. You haven't said a cuss word since we started talking. And all of a sudden it hit me. I haven't, haven't I? I didn't even know it. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes those things carry on a little longer and you got to work on them. We're, we're all individual, aren't we? And when God saves us, we're all different how we're saved. But the point is we're saved. And He changes us as He sees fit. I love this in Matthew 8, 16 and 17. The Apostle Paul wrote, or excuse me, the Apostle Matthew wrote, That evening many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command. He healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah who said, He took our sicknesses and he removed our diseases. He not only heals us from sin, he heals all the other stuff that can be an infirmity for us. Is there anyone that hasn't yet been served? that would like to be, please raise your hand so they can get to you. Everyone's been served. Good. <sighs> Hallelujah. God loves us. And in these special times, He's here. And I believe if you prayed that prayer today, as we take this, this little piece of bread, this cracker, it represents his broken body. This little glass of juice represents his shed blood. They're symbolic of what Jesus did for you and me, and they bring wholeness to us. And when we remember what he did, it imparts something in us by faith, and that healing starts to take place in us. Maybe there's something you need today. You need a healing for something, whether it's a physical infirmity or Maybe there's a, a sin in your life that you have just been struggling with. When we take this today, I just want you to apply the blood and the broken body of Jesus to that thing, to that event, to whatever it is, and trust today that I am healed in Jesus' name. Would you say that with me? I am healed in Jesus' name. I am healed. Say this. I am healed by the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He died for me. First Corinthians 11, verse 23 and following, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. If you would, just break that symbolically and then eat. He went on to say, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed 
with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Now, before you drink it, just believe, God, you know what I need today. I apply the blood of Jesus to my life today. And as I drink it, I remember, Lord, what you've done for me. Now drink. If you'd like, you can hand all the cups toward the center aisles. Ushers will collect them. This is your family. And if you're visitors here, I hope that you'll still consider us your family because we're all a part of the body of Christ if you're born again. Would you give somebody near you a hug and just say, I love you? Is that weird? I love you? Love you, Rachel. What a great way to go out of here. God bless you. Keep you safe in your coming and your going. Keep on shedding your light, letting it shine bright all over this community. And I hope to see you next week again. Don't forget, Wednesday night, we're doing the Undercover series. It's an awesome message about a spiritual authority. Other than that, God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.